0: There we go. My microphone was doing bad, so I had to redo it on the fly. There we go. Hey, good morning. Uh, October 16, 2023. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Today, I want to talk to you about Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. God's going to test your motives. He's going to look at what motivates you. He's going to weigh the things that you want. Because it's natural for us to want what we want because it's what we want. And when God weighs your spirit, when he sees what you want, that might not mean that your ways are straight. I want to talk about Christ and modern Israel if I can. And this one's going to cut. This one's going to hurt, hurt bad. I'll give a a short synopsis up front, and then we'll just go around uh, around the media. I believe most of my audience, most of the people watching are in America. Most people in America that watch me are Christian. So these are predominantly American Christians. Let me be very blunt, and this is going to hurt. Because we have gotten away from Christ, and our nation sucks... Our bad doctrine has led to a need for repentance. We need to go away from baby butchering, go away from homosexuality and divorces and pornography and drug use and bad politics and deceitful crooked politicians that are glitzed and glossed on the outside but corrupt and vicious and peddlers of influence on the inside. We need to turn back to Christ, period. And so it's this rotten fruit of the American church That now that Israel, the modern nation of Israel, now modern Israel is in the news. People are looking at the the prospects of World War III. They're talking about all sorts of stuff. I, I never heard of the Samson option before this last week. This notion that if Israel is surrounded on all sides, they'll just start nuking everything. I think that the bad, rotten fruit of the American church needs to be front and center, when Americans think about Israel overseas. Because if we have bad fruit here in America, what does that suggest about our interpretation about who Israel is, according to the Bible, for today? In in short, I think that because Americans have a bad understanding of who Christ is and what the Bible says, we don't do what Christ wants us to. And because we don't do what Christ wants us to, everyone's looking to Israel. A lot of people are looking to Israel as though they're God's people and the Jews have a play in Bible times. And so I want to address that directly because you have in our politics people starting to, like, there's this split The split is on Israel. Israel shouldn't be the dividing line. Israel is not the dividing line. Christ is. Christ is the dividing line. But now it's affecting our politics. Now it is directly impacting. There are people in the U.S. Congress advancing the notion that they want to draft females in our military because our military can't reach its recruiting goals. And I argue that's because the military has gone woke, godless commie, so much so that the people that were in the military that had a heart for the nation, a heart for service, and the physical aptitude to fight, they don't want to be anywhere near that godless commie crap, especially whenever they jab them up with all these bioweapon vaccines. So the, the, the chickens proverbially have come home to roost. And now we are suffering, we are enduring the bad fruit of our bad beliefs and because we're enduring the bad fruit of our bad beliefs now, Israel, in you know the Middle East, and this Israel-Hamas stuff, things are escalating, and you've got this exposure. You've got this exposure of conservatives in the American media who are really showing where they are on issues. And it's surprising. Some people in the American media aren't even talking about this today. Some people are talking about the speaker's race and Jim Jordan. I'm sorry. As long as we've got cheap machines in elections, I don't think that they're efficacious. And now that I understand the common law to demand strict observance to the text of the Constitution, as we've seen in the Supreme Court Bruin ruling, that's the law of the land. That's what we should be learning. So if if you're all caught up emotionally about the political race for the speakership, you're not you're you're neglecting the text of the Constitution, which is the law written in plain English for the common people, the common law. So you're not even realizing and pointing to the, the truth there. And now you've got instability and, and destabilization overseas. It's not lost on me that the weak Speaker McCarthy was ousted, and thereby the funnels of money towards Ukraine were turned off, that now you have an event in Israel. A lot of things putting together, which is why we're going to bend it back for Christ. But before we go to there, I want to say that the best way that you can support me is to go to the PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaron link in the description below. Type in your email, submit your information. Myself or somebody will speak with you and we will talk to you about the win-win-win option. The first win is that if you don't like the Godless Kami products and the store shelves being barren and the instability, or if you just like the comfort of shopping from your own home and you want high-quality, price-competitive, non-industrially chemical products to be delivered directly to your door, go ahead and uh, set up. That's win number one. Win number two is it's American manufacturing and not globalist manufacturing. Take the dollars you're already spending and switch them over to an American-made company. Amen. God bless. And the last is this is a good way to help me, the work that I do, the ministry, the support, the the stuff for me and my family. It's a great way to help me. So that's why, uh, that's the win-win-win option. appreciate your time. Patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Um, Okay, the other thing that I want to do is I want to point to this idea. I want to point to the idea. Go back to our Proverbs. Proverbs 16 verse 2. All... Of all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Everything you do, you think are great. This is pride. This is folly. This is idolatry. We think we're perfect. And everything I do is great. But opposite. The Lord weighs, weigheth the spirits. He weighs your motives. The ways that you think. What you want. People in American media. And I'm going to go through a couple different clips. It has, been, it has been to where you can't talk about Jewish power. In this nation, you are labeled an anti-Semite. My family has received death threats, still do, because of all the news stories that were written about me last year, calling me an anti-Semite, calling me a Nazi, calling me these things. So I have been through that fire, I've been through that pain personally from a national spotlight perspective which allows me and has given me the tough skin the callousness to be able to say you know what I'm just gonna kind of push through I also don't make money from as far as I'm concerned I don't make I don't get any financial support from people who uh, demand I support modern-day Israel I I don't get any financial support from those people so I have no financial tie Uh, I have no incentive to to, to see if I could, you know, stay on platforms or to say anything. Which means that whatever I'm about to tell you is how I think and it's what I believe. Now, I believe that the nation of Israel can exist. It's there. It's a nation. Uh, they should be able to defend themselves. They should be able to self-govern. They should be able to, to control their borders. They should be able to make their laws. They should be able to uh, do business, to make war, to broker peace. They should be able to do all the things a nation should do. No argument. No argument. I'm not against modern-day Israel. Where I think the issue is, because American Christians, a a large portion of American Christians, I'm going to start using uh, smart Bible words, but I I don't like using smart Bible words because they're not, they're non-Bible words. But people who believe in dispensationalist premillennial eschatology have this idea that Jesus is going to literally come back to physical Israel. And because people believe that Jesus is going to come back to physical, literal Israel, there's going to be an Antichrist. There's going to be a period of seven years at the end of the world. And because Christians have been trained to think that, they're looking at Israel as the evidence of Jesus coming back. This is critical because there's a couple different implications. First, Christians aren't looking at Jesus. They're looking at Israel. If you're the bride of Christ, should you be focused on, you know, should be focused on Christ or should be focused on not Christ? Israel is not Christ. Christ is not Israel. So if you're looking to Israel to look at Christ, you are not looking at Christ. How do you know who Christ is? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Read the Bible to be able to see Jesus. Jesus. And then preach the gospel and be the gospel to the world. Be the church, the hands and feet, the body of Christ to the world. Be an ambassador to Christ. Don't look to Israel for the signs of Christ's return. Christ told his people in Acts chapter 1 verse 7, it ain't for you to know the times. Get to work. (laughs) Go do stuff. But because many Christians in America have this theological doctrine, that influences their politics. So after World War II, coming out of World War II, there was this global order where America, as the most preeminent, prosperous, strongest nation in the history of the world, I believe, because God is faithful to our founders who gave us a Christian nation and said, we're going to build a nation on biblical principle, which is what we got with the common law, which is what they enshrined in our constitution as public trusts, which is where they get the notion that rights come from Jesus— and that you can't touch what Jesus gave you. That's, that's the reason why government exists, is to defend what Christ gives. That's a Christian idea. Those are Christian concepts. And I believe the wisdom of the founders was that they thought that the world would pay for our government. The founders believed that you had the right to property. You were the, you, We are popular sovereigns. Because we have a popular sovereignty, there is no authority, no king over people. So when Jesus gives you your rights and government is instituted for your benefit, when you know what your rights are and you stand on them, the government must bow and serve you. Now, the founders' wisdom was such that they believed that that was so true and God would be so faithful that he would bless America. And he did. God blessed America, I believe, in ways that he's never blessed any nation because no other nation on earth has ever been built on Christian ideas with the gospel. They've gotten very close, but they've always had an earthly king. You can't have an earthly king if you have a king. So now that you've got America, and that's what makes America exceptional, is that America realized we are no better than any other people. But because we're no better than any other people, let's create a government where none of us are in charge, but all of us are in charge. And you create these constructs, these public trusts to limit stuff. Where I'm going with this is that when you have post-World War II America... You have America at its zenith. You have a Christian society, low divorce, uh, monogamous marriage, you know no rampant pornography. You've got one income with a fair, married uh, you know, family with you know kids being raised or, or taught locally, and then it just kind of falls apart. We were given the world, we, we, like through, through God's faithfulness and the blessing that He gave uh, America. The greatest generation fought evil, destroyed evil's overture. Because I believe the Third Reich, Hitler's Third Reich, was absolutely the attempt of satanic forces to reimpose um, a Babylonian empire. And you see how it fell. It fell because it can't stand. It fell because Satan is powerless against the gospel. Satan and the evil forces will not defeat the gospel. This is important because for the last 70 years, America has just managed the decline. We, we had a full head of steam coming out of World War II, and we've just been slowly going down. And over these last couple of years, you have seen us just go over the cliff. And I believe this comes from the bad doctrine where people are looking to Israel and not Jesus. They're not looking to Christ, they're looking to a modern nation state as evidence of Christ's return and as a result of this people have their hopes tied up in a political situation in Israel which if you think about it when Israel started its own intelligence agency and America started its intelligence agency after World War II the CIA these intelligence agencies are really fronts for predicating foreign wars the military-industrial complex which has kept the nation and the world you know geopolitically unstable has been a result of the, the machinations of a small group of people that are like poking, prodding, blowing things up in order to use media through the eyes, through the ears, to rile people up to get them to go to support foreign wars. I, I mean, I, I, that's, that, that's what got me in. What got me in was 9 11. And then whenever you find out 9 11 is an inside job because you look at Tower Seven, how did that fall? So now you have all these things going, and Jaron joined the army did all the stuff to go fight and kill people. And all of this is based on this idea that modern day Israel is where Christ will physically return and people are looking to that. And this means that people in the media are being paid and have Jewish power, Jewish money influence what they say, which is why people in America care about Israel. They only care about Israel because they think that there's a theological tie to it. So I want to just be very sober and say, I don't have any financial tie to modern day Israel. And I have no theological tie to modern day Israel, which is why I believe right now, Christ's wisdom is calling the church back to himself. He's punishing us. We are under wrath from the blood of the millions of babies that have been butchered, from the lawlessness, the pornography, the destruction of marriage, the preacher, the the weak spineless pastors in the pulpit, the deception of taking the jab, people like with all over the place, the the fires are escalating, the, the, the punishment is increasing, so people return to Christ. And as people return to Christ, it makes sense that Israel, the modern nation of Israel, will be put center stage, and Christ will break that. Christ will break it. I'm not saying Christ is going to destroy the nation state of Israel. I'm saying now that American Christians and Christians worldwide are in the position where they're looking at Israel, going, "You guys are doing bad stuff." Like we're, we're going to get into some, um, we're going to get into some videos that just they force you. The like some of these ideas force you force you to choose a side and that's what I want to get to because Proverbs 16 again 16 2 all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes but the Lord weigheth the spirits so God's going to look at your motives and here the motive needs to be Christ or not Christ and when you understand those categories you will understand that Christ will break you he will break your ideas because he is true only he is true. He is the cornerstone. He is the capstone. He is the stumbling block. He is the one that we will be broken over, not modern day Israel. So I want to, if I can, kind of do a, a, a switch, a patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, amen. Um, go ahead and roll that beautiful bean footage. There you go, there's the there's the ticker at the bottom. This is a great way to switch your shopping and, and uh, support my work, which is at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, amen. Go ahead, get that, get that off the screen. Um, I want to start with Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk said something that I completely agree with that I, you know, that I
1: wrote as things were
0: happening. I'll let it play and then we'll talk about it. Go ahead.
1: I've been to Israel many times. The whole country is a fortress. When I first heard this story, I still had the same gut instinct that I did initially. I find this very hard to believe. I've been to that Gaza border. You, You cannot go 10 feet without running into a 19 year old with an AR 15 or an automatic machine gun that is an IDF soldier. Right, the whole country is surveilled. And so, so let, me, let me just kind of go through this. We don't talk about Israeli politics very often, and most Americans don't know this. The last nine months, Israel is on the brink of civil war. It's not an exaggeration. This judicial stuff, there were, pro- there were hundreds of thousands of Israelis taking to the streets because Bibi Netanyahu is basically redefining the Israeli constitution. That's not an exaggeration, right? He said the judicial branch has too much power. There were protests planned this week against Netanyahu where they anticipated tens of thousands of people to take to the streets. That's all gone, Patrick. Netanyahu now has an emergency government and a mandate to lead. I'm not, I'm not willing to say to go so far that saying that Netanyahu knew or there was intelligence here but I think some questions need to be asked was there a stand down order <sighs> was there a stand down order 6 hours I don't believe it Israel's the side of New, size of New Jersey when I took a helicopter ride from Jerusalem to the Gaza border it's 45 minutes wow 6 hours they're live streaming the killing of Jews was did somebody in the government say stand down that is a legitimate non conspiracy question the whole country is the idf <laughs> the whole country is yeah and you're trying to tell me that they're going to concerts and kibbutzes and schools and by yeah that uh, for
0: saying that charlie kirk has put himself in a position where a lot of his jewish supporters and a lot of jewish people on the internet are saying that now he's an anti-semite charlie kirk is is overtly pro-israel and he kicks people who question Israel out of his audience a lot. So Charlie Kirk is not anti-Israel. He is pro-modern-day Israel. But asking the question if there was a stand-down order is the same thing that I... I the, the, the anger and the bitterness and the hatred of asking the question was there a stand-down order is the same type of response that the Dixie Chicks got right after 9-11 whenever they were singing against war. And I remember that destroyed their that destroyed their career. The Dixie Chicks were wiped off the map. No one ever remembers them because they were singing anti-war songs. They were calling for no invasion into Iraq. And they were seen as unpatriotic. They were seen as traitorous. And now you don't even know about the Dixie Chicks. This is the same idea. The same idea is that there's a massive, horrible, evil attack... Full of ravage, savage, viciousness. That's not good. Israel should be able to defend herself. Israel should be able to invade and get justice. Israel should be able to invade and destroy Hamas. But whenever you ask the question, was there a stand-down order? Now that is cutting against the grain. That there would be someone so evil to let what happened, happen. And here is where when the Proverbs, again, speak about the idea... All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Whatever your motivation is, when you ask that question, that question cuts to the heart. It cuts to the heart, which is why there's such backlash. Now, there is a video, and I'll turn myself down because I see I'm getting really loud. Now, there is a video that I'm going to play, and this this is making the rounds. This video is making the rounds. We'll comment so you can watch it. Uh, So I won't even set it up. This video is now being set up to garner world support for the war in Israel for Israel. Watch this. I think videos like this jump the shark. I think they absolutely do. I think they lose political support for Israel because what it basically does is it posits Israel as some type of savior nation. Again, this gets to the heart. Europe is being overran by massive invasion of illegal immigrants from the Middle East and from Africa. And that's because there's a bunch of globalists in charge of European nations that have just opened up the border. We've covered it here frequently. Boats laden with Africans coming up to the shores of Italy and just walk leaving the boat and just walking into Italy. We covered that uh, that small island population 6,000 Italians in one day had 10,000 African migrants. It's now a majority African nation or it's now a majority African Island. This is wrong. So for Israel people in Israel to beseech support for the war in Israel ...positing Israel as keeping the the Palestinian Arab immigrant horde... ...the big boulder from crushing Europe... ...is to deny the fact that Europe is already being overrun. Decades of abortion have plummeted the natural European birth rate... ...because feminism has liberated women sexually... ...so they say, they use these words about freedom... ...sexual liberation has made it to where women have butchered their own babies in the womb in Europe... So that Europe's population is not replacing itself. So the globalist leaders in Europe don't care about nations, don't care about their peoples, don't care, don't recognize that language is a is a major determinate, a determinant factor in a nation and its people, and they just open up the borders and they don't care. But yet now you're supposed to support a war in Israel because they're gonna stop a bunch of Arabs? When the real reality of it is, and this is just my cynicism. I believe that Israeli-based non-governmental organizations, NGOs, or taxpayer-funded, American taxpayer-funded NGOs, these NGOs will claim there's a humanitarian crisis. We have to have all these people from this country, this crap country, come over to your country because feelings, because heart, because sympathy. And this is where the bleeding heart liberals, this is where feminism, this is where globalism, this is where this Darwinian presupposition of, you know, you have to, um, you know, let these people in. It's Darwinian in the sense that, well, it, you know, it doesn't matter. We're all just kind of, you know, just do whatever you want. No, no, you don't just do whatever you want. There's a morality. You stay where you're from. I'll stay where I'm from. My language... Helps define who we are. Helps define our customs, our culture. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter ten, verse five. The components of a nation is the land, the people, the language. Right? The land is the physical location. The people are the folks that are there, and the language speaks to your motives. It speaks to how you communicate. It speaks to your ability to communicate. If you you know hodgepodge a bunch of languages together. There's not good communication. There's going to be tribalism. There's going to be uh, a mosaic of just people that don't get along. Now, I believe God's wisdom here is that the gospel cuts across all of that. But I don't think and I, I, I would argue that the Bible would not say just open up your borders to let all the languages kind of do whatever they want so that the gospel can be spread. I, don't, I, I think that's dumb. I think that is a reductio that swallows a bad premise. Only so that it can hide from the responsibility of the real world under the blanket of the gospel. You're going to let something bad happen because God's going to do stuff with it. That's dumb. That's stupid. God can and does work good through evil. But you don't let evil happen just because, well, Jesus didn't kill people that were raping other people. Jesus didn't bomb any nations uh, that were at war with us. Jesus didn't um, you know, lock his doors. This is dumb. This is a feminist way of looking at the Bible. This is a destructive way of looking at, at who we are as God's people, and it puts you in a position where you might as well just go ahead and open up your throat to the knife-wielding jihadis running around, uh, you know, um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, or go to the Chicagoan with the big sign that says "shoot me in the face," or go down to Texas and say, "Here's my child. Could you traffic her a couple times?" I mean, like this is dumb. The Bible says, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Christians, men, stand up, be bold, speak the truth. When Charlie Kirk asked the question, he's not anti-modern Israel. He's saying, there's evil that exists and our emotions are being manipulated to the point where people are now looking to a World War Three. And you're, you're, you're going to call me hateful for asking a question. Now, I take personal offense in this case. As someone who has fought overseas, who has been in the position to be blown up and lost men and lost friends and and done the things, I take offense when the vast majority of people who have never volunteered for the military, never served in the military, never been in a close combat situation, flippantly just kind of diminish everyone that's involved on either side or in any capacity. And they just kind of say, yeah, let's just go make Gaza into a parking lot. That's what I did for calling out Greg Locke last week. The dude says he's a Christian preacher preaching the gospel and he's over there saying, we need to make Gaza a parking lot. You're not a patriot pastor, bro. You're a heathen. You're an idolater. You're elevating the idea that you want political consequences. You want death and you want chaos more than you want righteousness, justice, and peace. You're not pointing people to Jesus. You're not elevating the gospel above geopolitical concerns, which is a fruit of the American church. The American church has not elevated the gospel and King Jesus above all things, which is why our nation is dying. Our nation is dying because we've told Jesus to take a back seat. That is, until Jesus is now useful for the modern state of Israel, which I believe, and this is just my level of cynicism, and skepticism, I believe people in Israel know that. I believe Ben Shapiro knows that. I believe that many Jewish leaders understand that. They know that there's a dispensationalist, premillennial view of the end of the world, and that they, they, they believe it's the end of the cosmos, which you have to think, if Jesus is speaking about his return to Jerusalem as the end of this time-space continuum, to continuum why did Jesus in Mark chapter 13 tell the people that were in Israel when they see the armies gathering to flee? How could you flee that which is a global, universal uh, you know, judgment? If Revelation, what Jesus is talking about in the Olivet discourse, Matthew 24, Mark 13, uh, what was it, Luke 21? If 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 all of this stuff is this universal, cosmic judgment that no one can escape from, why is Jesus telling his people to flee to the mountains? And why, in AD 70, did a bunch of Christians flee to the east to a town called Pella? I mean, like, if, if if Jesus was talking about a massive end of the cosmic universe, judgment, then, okay, that hasn't happened yet. But if Jesus is saying that he's going to return to punish and bring judgment and wrath on the generation that pierced him, as Zechariah 12.10 says, the people who pierced him will be, will see the Lord. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, the people who pierced him is who will see the coming of Jesus Christ. Who pierced him? The generation who killed him. And when Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 34, All of this will happen to this generation. Like, all of this will happen before this generation passes. A generation's 40 years. If Jesus is killed in AD 30, AD 70, AD happens 40 years after. So all of this eminence language in the New Testament is about hey you gotta come to Christ you gotta hurry up why because if you're a Jew Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming and what's he, what did he do in 70 A.D. He smashed he destroyed not one stone of the of the temple remains not one stone of, of, of Solomon's temple still stands as he said it would so when we understand this. There's a different perspective of who modern Israel is... ...to where people can be manipulated. And P, and conservatives in American military... Or American military... Conservatives in American media have never been able to say it... ...because Jewish power influences the airwaves. And if Jewish power is influencing the airwaves... ...with the product pitches and the promo codes... ...and the the, the you know, we're going to cancel you if you're anti-Semite... ...if all of these things are happening... ...then you can't ask questions... Did the Israeli intelligence agency, or did Bibi Netanyahu, was who was looking at a civil war, did they issue a stand-down order to get global support for Israel? Did, that, did they do that? Would they tell us if they did? What would be the ramifications of George Bush telling people right after 9-11, Hey guys, I kind of knew about it. I knew it was happening, guys. We had intel, intel reports before. Some of the dudes that were on the planes may have been trained by the CIA, including bin Laden, who we radicalized 20 years earlier. So um, we kind of knew all this. Oh, and by the way, Building 7 that had all the financial records of $2.3 trillion, where the DOD testified the day before that we don't know where it's at, oh, it destroyed too. It fell too. None of the other buildings around the two towers fell, but Trade Center 7 fell. So, But when you say, I mean, what would be the effect of saying that right after the event? When everyone's emotion is high and people are just are frothing at the mouth. And then now, you've got people with GoPros on their head, like cameras on their heads. They've got video phones. They've got internet. They've got all sorts of stuff. And so if you've got people who hate Jesus, you've got a bunch of Muslims who think that Islam teaches, the Quran teaches... The only way to go to heaven in Islam is to die in Jihad or die populating a foreign nation. Why are all these Muslims coming here? Because the, one of the, one of the guaranteed ways to get into Islam, to get into heaven, to get into paradise, is to go to another nation and populate that nation with a bunch of Muslims. Which is why Muslims will go to non-Muslim nations and start raping people so that they can have a bunch of kids. Why? Because that's one of the ways that they go to heaven. The other is to die in jihad. So if they're going to die in jihad, that incentivizes them to do stuff in battle so that they would die because they get killed. And this goes back to basic Islam. You go back to to the surahs. You go back to uh, Sahih Bakari. And Sahih Bakari tells a story of Muhammad's um, lieutenant. Muhammad's lieutenant was asked, uh, what assurance of salvation do you have? And he said that I would not be assured my salvation if I had one foot in heaven. And why is that? Because the Muslim God, which is not God of the Bible, believes Sura three forty three that Allah is the greatest of deceivers. And if Allah is the greatest of deceiver, and you think this guy's name was um, uh, what was it? Um, it's not Ali. That's his. That's his uh, nephew. Um. I forget his. Oh, I, I I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. Uh, but th- so so th- this guy this guy says that if he had one foot in heaven, he would not be gar- He would not believe that he was in there because Allah is the greatest of deceivers, which shows you that he's a liar. God that doesn't even give people assurance. So when the Quran says, "Here's the two ways to have assurance of salvation," why do you think a bunch of Muslims will go to try to go to other countries to populate it, and why do you think that they want to die in jihad? How do you think that they theologically justify putting a bomb on a kid and go blowing themselves up? Because that's the one way that they're guaranteed, they think, to go to heaven. So this is how they think. So if a, if a, if a religion, if a, if a people with this belief system, this theology, if a people with this theology had a video camera, don't you think that they wouldn't shoot? Don't you think that they wouldn't film it? Don't you think that they wouldn't celebrate it? Because they think, according to their prophecies, that Jesus, in their eyes, or Isa, is going to return and kill all the Jews. They think Jesus is going to come back and kill everybody who isn't a Muslim. And the way that they do that is they have to destroy Jerusalem. They have to destroy Jerusalem. So this is how they think. And if you get that theology with that prophecy... That metric of salvation, you're going to get people doing stupid stuff with their phones, celebrating it, and then when those videos capture those those events, you're going to blast them all over the place. And instead of the gospel bringing bringing the truth of the gospel to that situation and just saying, yeah, these guys believe freaking demonic stuff. These guys believe the same type of stuff that had people make big idols of Baal or Molech and put their babies on them put fires underneath them, bang the drums so that the mothers couldn't hear the screaming child. It's the same belief system that says that, hey, American teenage girl, or hey, American liberated woman who wants to be a corporate CEO, you got knocked up because you're a whore and you didn't take birth control. Yeah, go ahead and go to this baby butchering facility. Let's snip the head off and suck that thing out with the vacuum cleaner so you can go back on your way to go ahead and be an independent woman. Like, if you don't have the concept of what right and wrong is according to what the Bible says, you will overlook the butchering and the demonic activity right around the corner. You won't, even look at, you won't even look in. You won't even look in at the sin that you have. You'll be so focused on the sin of other people. And if you have rotten fruit as a culture, which we do, America has rotten fruit as a culture, If you've got rotten fruit where we are not diligent in the word, Bible, we're not uh, disciplined in what the fundamental law is, so we don't know what our rights are, the most we'll do is, I got my rights, as we're getting tasered and pepper sprayed, I got my rights, I got my rights, but you don't know how to express it in the law, you don't understand what your government is, you don't understand what the Constitution says, you've never been educated like this because... Your mind and your eyes are off Christ. Your mind and your eyes are off Jesus. And so you don't have the idea we're going to make these thoughts captive to Christ. It's a little bit of a rant. And that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. I want to shift if I can to Alex Jones. This is Alex Alex Jones a couple days ago talking about the Jews. We're going to do two Alex Jones videos. But you recognize what's happening. There's a fissure happening in conservative land. Where people are going to kind of kind of tepid, kind of like testing the waters. Can I, can I say stuff against Israel? Can we say stuff against Israel? Can we say stuff? This is why Christ matters. Not just why Christ matters, but when you make Christ king, when you demand strict adherence to the king, to the gospel, when you demand that, it will break any issue. Because if Media Matters or whoever comes at me, people will hear my content and be like, that dude preaches the gospel. He calls himself a religious, you know, this religious nut does whatever. No, 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 no. I'm bringing the Bible, bro. I'm bringing the Bible in a way that cuts people, that hurts if you have bad doctrine. Jaren doesn't have perfect doctrine, but Jaren will absolutely look at the Bible and say, tell me what to think. Tell me what to think. Wash my mind anew renew my mind give me the mind of christ tell me show me where i'm wrong show me in scripture and holy spirit please pierce my heart to convict me of my own sin that's what christians do that's what the bible teaches that's what we're supposed to do because our king deserves glory and obedience and now you have people in the media starting to go can we can we talk about israel And that's because, in the back of their minds, they don't want to be deplatformed, they don't want to be canceled, and they want to get paid. Which speaks to the notion, it speaks to the, the, the subtext of Jewish power in the media. Which, again, I'm not a guy that looks at Jewish power and says, they're running the world. No, 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 no. They ain't running the world. Christ is running the world. Christ has given me whatever audience I have. Christ will give me whatever I get in the future. Christ will get me whatever financial support or whoever signs up on PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaron. Christ will give me those things. Not you. Not some Jew. Christ gives me what I get. I get what Christ gives. When that is your thinking, then you won't try to game the system to make sure that you're good with the Latinas and you're gonna, you know, don't piss off too many of the homosexuals. You need the baby butchering crowds. So go out there and wave a pink, you know, pink shirt or whatnot. And say liberation and freedom, choice. Well, I need to get in good with the Baptists, so let me let me make sure I don't, you know, go against the nation of Israel. Let me get up on stage with the with the Israel flag, so I can virtue signal what my theology is. I don't want to preach Christ and Him crucified. I don't want to repeat rep- pre- uh, preach repentance of sin. I'm just going to show a big Israel flag. I'm just gonna show a big Israel flag. How, how about that? How, how about we don't preach repentance? We just show the big Israel flag on stage. Turn Gaza into a parking lot. Just
2: come on, come on. Okay, uh,
0: here's Alex Jones.
2: Why, why, why do conservatives who've done nothing to Israel deserve to be persecuted and attacked like Hitler did in the beginning? Deplatforming, putting us in ghettos, lying about us, demonizing us. We can't take the news saying white people are terrorists and Christians are bad people. And you're like, well, we're not doing that. The point is, if you speak out against it, people will listen. My grandfather stood up for the Jews. And both of them almost out of the Army Air Corps. And I don't claim you owe me some debt. But at the same time, I don't owe you anything. And I am tired of being attacked. And the white supremacists make a joke. Oh, Jones pleads to his masters. I have been a friend to Israel. I have been nice. But it's time for Jews, particularly, to choose a side. Are you with the West? Are you with right to self-defense? Are you against communism? Or do you embrace those tenets? And if you embrace communism and disarmament and enslavement, then go. Then get killed. I'm not the one killing you. Go kill yourself. Take your children with you. I'm sorry you're going to get them killed too. I'm not saying I want your kids killed. But your bizarre behavior is causing this. Let us control our countries and stop them coming here. Don't have the ADL attack me. Don't you point your finger at me trying to survive and live and say I'm the bad person. I reject that and I'm sick of you. Opening our damn borders up to bring all these people in and then brainwash them against us because I'm white. I'm not a person that's in identity politics, but you've made it that way. Everywhere it's bad because I'm white. Everywhere it's bad because I'm Christian. Everywhere I don't deserve to have a job because of what color I am. Everywhere I'm a bad person. No. You're your own worst enemy, not me. I don't want to kill you. I don't want to hurt you. I wish you prosperity. Yeah, this is where you need to get back to the gospel.
0: He said you are you, are, you know, he said to Israel or to the Jews, he said, Are you with the West? Or are you with you know these other people? That's not the dividing line. I called this uh this live stream you know, Christ and modern Israel, because modern Israel, the nation state of Israel is, is splitting things, splitting political groups, splitting all sorts of stuff, attention. That's what Christ is supposed to be doing. Christ is supposed to be splitting things. He's the the divider. God is a dividing God. He is not a unifying God. He will divide the night and the day. He will divide the seasons. He will divide right and wrong. He will divide the families between the people who love him and the people who don't. And that's because he redeems things back to himself. But you can't be with him if you're bringing stuff that he don't want. He's going to get rid of it. He divides. He he gets get that crap out of here. I don't believe that you can have Christ and modern Israel. If you're looking at modern Israel to see Christ, you need to get rid of modern Israel and look at Christ. And this is where this is where there's going to be a divide. There's going to be a divide because people hold on to what they believe, and they hold on to what they believe because they're comfortable. Makes them feel good. It's the, it, they they see it, and this is where it's so hard. It's it's a working of the Holy Spirit on the heart. And this is where uh, opponents of this perspective, people who disagree with me, will say, well, he's arrogant or he knows, you know, he thinks he knows everything. No, (laughs) I, I do not know everything. I'm reading the Bible and I see the gospel saves the world. I'm reading the Bible and I see a king on his throne wanting the world to come to him. And the way that he does that is with the working of the gospel. The way that he does that is through his church if you have a belief that the church kind of fails if you have a belief that the church isn't up to the task in my view i believe the bible teaches that's a worldly perspective on how christ conquers which the bible speaks to in first corinthians where it's or uh, yeah first corinthians 2 where the world didn't understand what Christ was doing, which is why they crucified him. Had the world understood what Christ was doing, they never would have crucified him. Because when Christ took the cross and he said, it is finished, that was Jesus conquering. That was the conquering. That was the triumph. And he was glorying in it. So when Christ conquers, he doesn't conquer like the world expects. So if the world is expecting bad things to happen... And, 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 Israel to be where Jesus, it's like, are, are, is, is that, where did you learn that? Are you using the world to influence, to use as a filter for what you read in the Bible? This next one we'll get to, this is, uh, this is
2: Alex Jones in 2001, just a couple of days after 9-11. I have been supportive of Israel for many years. When I found out what they do, shooting little Palestinian children in the genitalia and laughing, it's on video. Little Palestinian, little ten-year-olds walk around throwing rocks at tanks. A guy sits off a half mile away and blows their testicles off. They call them goyim. They call them dogs. They call the Arabs cattle. And then the Arab, corrupt Arab governments that are in league with this government, it's really a sick Hegelian dialectic. Order out of chaos. Bringing the world crises. Bringing them terrorism. So we'll accept a highly dictatorial police state regime. It's happening. The world. Yeah. um, So
0: that is a version of what you could interpret as what's happened in history. And this is where the truther community, I'm not a part of, this is where the truther community would see that and be like, he's dead on. He's dead on from an interpretation that sees that that's the plan. But see, I don't ascribe to that because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that Jesus is on the throne. He will, through the church and the working of the gospel by the Holy Spirit, redeem the world. He died for the world. What's it? John chapter three, the most famous verse in the Bible. John chapter three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have uh, should not perish, but have everlasting life. But we never read verse seventeen. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So if God sent Jesus to the world to save the world, how could you look at the world and say that it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse worse before Jesus comes back and nukes everything all at once? Because the way that God chooses to do stuff, the way that God has done things is not the way that the world understands. And that's because, in God's wisdom, you're not going to be able to think like God unless you are of Him, unless you are in Him, unless you are with Him, and you only get that by believing the gospel. So, when Alex Jones, who I would generally politically agree with, and his analysis, I would see what he said: this Hegelian dialectic, the you know the totalitarian administration. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I absolutely see that. That's what the truther community says. But see, that's Gnostic. He said, "Order out of chaos." That's a that's a Freemason phrase. That's a that's that's Gnosticism. That is giving power. That is giving authority to not Christ. And if you see that narrative being stitched together, and you're like, "Yeah, that's what's happening." Whoa! You better stop right there. You better stop, and you better make sure that that stacks with Scripture. Show me, show me where, show me where God brings order out of chaos. God doesn't bring order out of chaos. He creates, God creates, God makes old things new. He he turns the dead to living. The old is gone, the new is gone, the, the new has come. God creates. Order out of chaos is this idea of, you know, we're going to destroy stuff and then build it up in our image. That's not what God does. God redeems things to him, his way. And that's critical. Because Alex Jones has been pushing this message for a long time. And I believe that he believes what he says. But you notice how he was talking about the Jews in Israel 20 years ago in 2001. Here we are. This is Mark Levin. This is yesterday on Fox News. This is a four-minute clip. Let um, Let me take my camera, move it up. Now I'll do this. And I'll reduce myself down here. And then we'll do some talking about it. So here is Mark Levin. Then then do whatever they have to do to win. So put that on the table of
3: debate now. What are they going to do if they're surrounded? What are they going to do if 150,000 advanced missiles are going to be shot? What are they going to do if Iran gets
0: involved? Well, they can't win a conventional war. What are they going to do? Uh, There's a couple of assumptions. He's talking about Israel. He's on uh, Fox and Friends or whatnot talking about Israel. um, Saying they can't win a conventional war. Israel won two conventional wars when they were surrounded on all sides by enemies in 1967 and 1963. So for Levin to say that Israel can't win a conventional war when Israel's got the best machine guns. They got better tanks than America. um, We gave them nukes. They've got a nuke stockpile. Uh, Israel can absolutely beat the Arab nations around them. No competition. But he's coming from a position of Israel Mark Levin is a Jew. Uh, I don't know if he's practicing. But as a Jew, he he has a very favorable position, uh, outlook on Israel. And so he's coming in from a scarcity perspective, which is understandable if you're in defense and you want to preserve yourself. So his self-preservation has kicked in. And his self-preservation is not looking at what I believe is objective, you know, perspective where Israel would whoop the Middle East if they really wanted to. I mean, if they really wanted to, Israel's problem was that they would, they would run out of men. They would run and they would overextend themselves so much they couldn't hold the territory. That would be Israel's problem. Israel's problem is not military supremacy. It's not overmatch on the tactical level, logistical level, or strategic level their challenge would be they don't have enough boots to hold the ground other than that you can't no one no one in the middle east would stop them literally no no military would stop them maybe egypt because it would have to cross the suez <laughs> maybe egypt but everybody else on the land is you know they're they're basically just at the i believe they are at the grace of israel to not destroy them Lebanon ain't going to stop them. Jordan ain't going to stop them. Syria ain't going to stop them. Saudi Arabia ain't going to stop them. Iraq's not going to stop them. Uh, You had Wombats and Damona. The the, the Israeli Air Force isn't going to be stopped against Iran. Um, That might be hard for them to go through the mountains of western Iran. Uh, That would be very difficult. But again, you're talking about hundreds of miles away after expanding from where they would be in Israel. So so I I disagree with his premise. I disagree with this premise that you – and you – you notice he talks like this. He's always always stirred up. That's his brand. But he's starting with the bad premise because his self-preservation instincts have kicked in. And now that his self-preservation instincts have kicked in, notice the dynamics is that you have three people who aren't Jews – talking to a Jew about Israel and the subtext of the Holocaust is is keeping the three people who aren't Jews in line to where they can't really talk about anything. They can't examine Israel as a nation state because the subtext of the Holocaust, the theological implications over on top of it and because none of the three are Jews, the one with authority in the conversation is the Maha or is the, the great one, the Denali, which I don't know why they call him that. I never listen. I can't listen to a show. It's kind of annoying. But... The Denali, the great one, is supposed to be the authority on this. Okay, keep going.
3: I think I know what they do, I know what we would do. We would destroy the enemy
0: because otherwise we're exterminated. That's all I have to say. He's using exterminated, that's Holocaust language. This is, you know, the Holocaust was wrong, the Holocaust happened, it was evil. Hitler is in hell, he showed no fruit of the gospel, showed no fruit of the Holy Spirit, judge righteously. When a Jew uses exterminated, that is using the language the Nazis used. And that's the dog whistle for the Holocaust, which is something that Americans don't have the capacity politically to speak about. And that's because of theological implications. Because if we were just talking about genocide, you can talk about the Armenian genocide that no one talks about. Uh, we're, we're, I mean, there was 120,000 Christians nuked and wiped out just a couple weeks ago, um, you know, over over in Georgia, like you know, Chechnya, uh, you know, Azerbaijan. I should say, uh, no one talks about that because it's Christians, right? But but the the political inability of people in America to talk about Jews or Israel or the Holocaust with any type of criticism has made it to where these ideas are beyond criticism and this is why I try to bring these things to Christ and use Christ as the stumbling block, use Christ as the cornerstone, use Christ as the thing that crushes these ideas. I have no hatred for these people. I I don't think that they're puppeteering the world. I don't believe those things because the Bible doesn't teach those things and because the bible doesn't teach those things i am not bound by these latent narratives that act as guardrails of conversation so but he says extermination which is a dog whistle for holocaust
4: mark you, br- you brought up nu- nuclear war i mean essentially and and also we're talking about america's involvement and
0: she's stumbling she's trying to bring up she is thinking about Israel as a nation mark levin is thinking of israel as god's promised land he's thinking of israel as the people as god's chosen people mark levin as a jew likely elevates the value of the jewish people above all the others and that's i mean that's what that's what jews have i mean that's what jews did in the bible jews jews would call People, uh, Alex Jones said it. You know, they call them goyim. They call Arabs cattle. They, um, they, they hated the Gentiles. Galatians chapter two. Uh, Peter would not eat with the Gentiles, and Paul had to correct them to his face. So this, this is a notion where Jews are. They can, they care about themselves more than everybody else. And and that's why she's stumbling. She's stumbling because she can't say that. But that's a very real thing and that's what's happening right here which is why well keep going
4: As no, this we're expanse, wh- no we're but-
0: not no we're not no we're not if you drop look
4: i i'm hey, sorry so i questions. just like,
2: I, hold on I,
0: I, hold on she's apologizing what is she apologizing for they disagree they disagree why is she apologizing is she apologizing because mark levin has the media influence like rush limbaugh did and he is blessing and gracing your show to up the audience because everyone wants to hear what Mark Levin says? Or is she apologizing because it's the train narrative that this is a Jew talking about the Holocaust you now mention the Israel, tread lightly, tread lightly. You better not say anything critical. Again, the Holocaust happened. It was evil. It shouldn't have happened. I believe that Israel uh, is a nation state and can exist. I believe that nation they should be able to defend themselves. But you notice all the qualifications I now have to put. I don't have to say that about South Africa. I don't have to say that about Ghana. I don't have to say that about any non-Israel nation. You have to say that about Israel, have to. I mean, I believe it, but I don't have to say it.
3: Yeah, Rachel, when you ask questions like that, you need to answer them, not just ask them. What what are they gonna do if there's multiple front war? What are they gonna do if they have have, uh, have, have kidnapped uh, our hostages and other hostages.
0: What are they gonna do? Die, I guess.
4: We had a right. gen- It's
0: called a straw man. That right there is a straw man. That's, that's an appeal to emotion. He's, he's appealing with his emotion. So what he's, what he's doing, this is a reductio. What he's just doing, this constitutional lawyer, right? constitutional lawyer, the great one, this constitutional lawyer just, what are they supposed to do? Die, I guess. That's fatalism. This is uh, intended as a straw man argument to completely do diminish her criticism of Israel. Completely. She's asking the question like Charlie Kirk asked the question. And now that she's asking the question, he goes, what are they supposed to do? Just die? Well, you're a moron is what, you're, what, what you are. You're a moron who isn't able to adequately see what's, what's happening. Israel's in a fight. Let them defend themselves. But whenever you say, well, Israel's surrounded by Jordan and Palestine and Syria and Egypt, they've been surrounded by them for 70 years. And they're still there. And every time the Arab world has come against Israel, Israel has whooped their behinds. Every time the Arab world goes against Israel, Israel gains territory. And you mean to tell me that with the multiple billions of dollars with no strings attached that Israel has received for decades militarizes its own nation massive border walls the best tanks in the world the best machine guns a highly trained army an incredibly extensive intelligence apparatus and you want to tell me that the nation of jordan is gonna defeat you lebanon syria egypt saudi arabia come on come on But you see, well, I guess we're just gonna die. This, this, it, this is the, this is the theatrics that are now employed to bypass your reason, make you feel guilty as though you are a Nazi. Telling her, effectively telling her to shut up. And look, she, she, uh, she, uh, 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 uh. Meanwhile, the other two guys are just sitting there. Which one? The guy on the right with the blue, uh, blue suit, Pete Hexith. He's a veteran. So this dude, out of all the other out of the other three, he's actually served. So he knows more about this than Mark Levin. Mark Levin's a lawyer. He's been talking on the radio, Fox News shows. Pete Hegseth is a veteran. I don't you know I don't know what he did in the in the military, but at least he's a veteran. But you see, the two dudes are just sitting there, and, and the the girls or the woman's about to do this. Ooh, she watch her hands. Her hands are going to tell you that she's separating these two issues. She wants to separate these issues. She wants to think in categories, and he's not gonna let her. Go ahead.
4: We had a general on earlier in the show who said that our military um, is not doing well. You know, recruitments are low. They're, they're not focused. He, he described a military that's not prepared in many ways, and yet there we are in Ukraine. We could have another front here. Um, China's on the move. I mean, this has to-
0: Before he responds, She's speaking as an American, thinking globally about the spreading out of the military. And she just said, we're in Ukraine because she considers Ukraine equal to Israel. That's the tell. She thinks Israel is the same as Ukraine. So when we are in Ukraine, that is a forward posture, a distribution of military. Well, if you distribute in Ukraine and you're in China and you're here in Taiwan, you're there, you're doing all this stuff, adding people in Israel is more distribution. That's her thinking. That's her logic. You're spreading out too much. She doesn't want the America's military to be spread out too much because it has bad recruitment. But she made a, an assumption. Her assumption was that Ukraine is the same as Israel. But he, see how he responds.
4: We, we have to pause and think a little bit here. Because I it just sounds like a, I, I, a role I, towards Rachel, war.
3: Honestly, I don't know what you're talking about. What does Ukraine have to do with this and China have to do it? I'm talking about what the Israelis are going I'm on.
4: I'm talking, well, well, you're, but you're, I, I, the Israelis have their issue, but I'm concerned that a lot of the talk that's going on now is about involving the United States. And that's another matter. And it's not anti-Semitic to say that we as Americans should take a pause.
0: She just used the word anti-Semitic. He did not use the word anti-Semitic, but because she used it first, that's now accusing him of his motives, saying that he disagrees with her because he considers or. She is because she used the word anti Semitic first. Levin's going to pounce on her, but she used it because she's preempting the argument that she's somehow against Jews. Why would, as the Bible says, Matthew 12 34, from the wellspring of the heart, the mouth speaks. She speaks to anti Semitism because she knows people are going to accuse her of anti Semitism. So she tries to defang it by preemptively saying, This isn't anti Semitism. And then what what she did was she actually robbed Levin of a tool in the kit bag of calling people anti-Semites. Because calling people anti-Semites is one step away from calling them a Nazi. And when you call someone a Nazi, there's this notion that they're going to be goose-stepping in Berlin, uh, putting you know Jews in ovens. And as soon as you do that, and, and this, this is the psychology, as soon as these ideas play out, all you got to do is push the button, you know, uh, do the dog whistle. All you have to do is just flick the network. You just have to flick the web and it just it reverberates and it's, it's automatic. It is trained. And you watch how Levin responds. Hey, look, I didn't say it was anti-Semitic. That's number one. So I don't appreciate that either. Number two, the... Yeah, he, he's got to defend the brand. You can't just flippantly say that. You can't, you can't just use it. It's like, uh, you know, calling someone a racist. It's like, you know, it's still got the power. It's still got power. You can't just, you you can't call me a racist. I'm black, you're white. White people can't call people racists because they're right. They're white. Racism is supposed to be an anti-white tool. So if white people tell black people they're being racist, you can't do that. That doesn't compute. That's not how things go. So someone who's a Jew can't tell a Jew that, or someone who is not a Jew cannot tell someone who is a Jew, this is not anti-Semitic. Because she's not an authority to determine what's anti-Semitic or not. So now the Jew has to respond and tell her, hey, you can't do that. I don't appreciate that.
3: That's their word. Israelis haven't asked us to get involved. They asked us to give them equipment. Number three, they have their own arsenal, which they never admit. So while you bring up all these issues to me, which kind of fogs precisely, you're you're the head, you're the prime minister of Israel. You're about to... Send hundreds of thousands of your troops in to take out the enemy once and for all. We saw the slaughter that took place. He's not thinking about Ukraine or China, neither are we. And I'm saying to you this, I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes it's tough. If Israel is going to face annihilation, you think they have those nukes in there to collect
0: dust? If Israel's gonna face annihilation, show me who would annihilate them. Gaza, the Palestinians, You think the Palestinians could annihilate Israel? Hmm. It shows the headspace.
3: I'm not even encouraging anything to be done. I'm not even saying
0: nuke them, nuke them, nuke them. I am saying... Now, why does Levin have to say, I'm not encouraging anything to be done? This is feminism. Feminism has made it to where any discussion of violence is a belligerent, you're you're an aggressor, you're going to go to jail, we can prosecute you right this is the idea that well you're inciting you're inciting the violence because you said something and this is why you got to qualify i'm not saying violence i do this too because this is the world we live in but that's a feminist overlay on a discussion of war if we're talking about israel what i would do is i would quarantine them which they already are you blockade them in the water which they already have a blockade they're already surrounded everywhere they already bombed the one bridge leading into Egypt. So, Gaza is effectively under siege. They're under siege. So, what I would do is I would keep the siege in place and I would starve them out. Why, why risk my own people whenever you can just lay siege? And I would just make the pain of starvation. Why risk my own people? Just siege them. Siege Gaza treat it as siege warfare. it's non-lethal but it is violent. You siege you siege Gaza in the meantime in the meantime you go through your own people and anyone that's got a connection, anyone that's got a work pass, anyone that's got a visa, anyone that's got anything, you've got the intelligence apparatus to hear you can hack iPhones. you can do those things. why don't you do that right now? But you see the industrial media the military industrial complex, needs a land war it needs the images it needs the bloodshed it needs the blowing up it needs the the people shooting stuff rebuild your wall quarantine gaza off and lay siege lay siege and you will have people come to you in open arms okay go put them over there have have the have the people that come out hey hands up all right go sit over there in this prison for a little bit we're going to we're going to sift you out through the prison and make sure you don't have any shivs or knives or bombs or phones or anything. You go over there in that big pen, we'll give you water, we'll give you a place to sleep. You just go over there real fast and we're going to drain Gaza. We're going to drain Gaza of all the non-combatants. Going to drain them all. We're going to drain them because we've got it sieged. and now we're going to go in there and we're going to smoke. We're just going to smash. We're just going to smash because when Bibi Netanyahu says you got 24 hours to get out I mean like that, again that, that is a way but they're they're talking about siege warfare but Levin is only entertaining the idea that Israel is under threat of annihilation which if if you think your if your geopolitics is the very first thing is we're only going to have discussions only with the subtext of annihilation is going to happen I'm always going to be annihilated. Well, I'm only always going to talk about nukes at that point. I'm not going to actually talk about governing. I'm not going to talk about diplomacy. I'm not going to talk about building a nation. I'm not, going to about, I'm not ever going to talk about peace. I'm only going to be talking about self-preservation. And if self-preservation is your only objective, this is where the wisdom of the founders reflected the wisdom of Christ insofar as to live as Christ, to die as gain. When you understand and believe and trust God for his faithfulness, for his provision, you're not going to clutch to what you think you control as though it's, un, it's at risk and you have to do everything in your power to control it. You're going to say, God has given me this. I'm going to steward it. These Arab nations don't have nukes. Syria doesn't have a nuke. Egypt doesn't have a nuke. Saudi Arabia doesn't have a nuke. Iran might have a nuke, but they got to get it to you. So how do you do that? But to speak about Israel being annihilated when basically everyone in Israel has served in the military, they basically all have weapons, you've got the best tank. This is not an anti-Israel perspective. It's a Israel is a competent nation. They are capable of, of governing and they need to be treated as such. But it's like he's got this soft handed subtext that says that the, the Israel the state of Israel is still, you know, a bunch of Jews in the Holocaust. They're not a bunch of Jews in the Holocaust. They're a governing nation. They've got technological um, you know, innovations where they desalinate water to be able to water themselves in, in an, arab, uh, air, uh, an arid land. They're not stupid. They're incredibly competent, capable, high-functioning people that are armed to the teeth. But yet he's speaking about the fact that they're almost at annihilation. And you can't really tell him he's wrong because as soon as you tell them it was wrong, the tropes and the trained expectations of people in America, whether it's the doctrines that say that, you know, Jesus runs through Israel, or it's the idea that, well, I don't want to be canceled, I don't want to be debanked, I don't want to be called an anti-Semite, I don't want to be called uh, labeled a Nazi. So you can't question them for all sorts of reasons. Their thinking's dumb. It's not based in reality. And so, in my view, it's it's kind of blocking all the avenues. It's blocking off diplomacy, it's blocking off innovation, it's blocking off non-lethal notions of warfare. It's blocking all of these avenues of approach to only lead to one discussion, and that is war. More war, more violence, more killing, more bombing, more death. And to anchor at home, Levin is playing his part where he doesn't really high voice, It doesn't really matter, he does this thing. And he's saying, might as well just die. We might as well just die. Well, we got the nukes. We got the nukes. What do you think they're doing? Just sitting around collecting dust? And because of all of these factors are keeping people silent, are driving their thinking, are funneling what they think about, there's no conclusion except for, I guess he's right. This will lead to American females being drafted. This will lead to more war in the Middle East, which means a lot of people who do not know Jesus in Israel, because most Jews are secular and Jews that actually are orthodox don't believe in the gospel so they go to hell because they don't believe the gospel so you got a bunch of people in Israel who don't know Jesus amping up cycling up rallying up against people in you know a- a- Arabia in Palestine in Gaza whatever who also don't know Jesus so you got a bunch of people who hate Jesus against a bunch of people who hate Jesus going to start killing each other and one group Israel is much more competent and capable at it than all the other people Meanwhile, you got a bunch of people in America and, you know, around the world, Christians, but you have a bunch of Christians in America who have rotten fruit that somehow think that the rotten fruit of our home and our nation has nothing to do with our ability to read and understand and do what the Bible says. And so we look at our rotten fruit here, but we say, no, we're not wrong about the end times. We definitely got the the right end times view. We absolutely are perfect with our interpretation of the end times, even though everyone who's always ever guessed it has always been wrong. Literally always. We're definitely wrong about our prophecy interpretations. We're, or excuse me, we're definitely right about our prophecy interpretations. We're definitely right about putting Israel above America. We're definitely right about saying we're going to commit to Israel no matter what. And as a result of that, we're not taking care of home. We're not taking care of our people. We're not thinking about where God put us for this time. We're thinking about a, a nation halfway around the world that I argue doesn't have any tie to the Bible, except for the literal terrain. But whenever you understand that Christ bought the whole world with his blood, Jesus wants every place in this world to be redeemed to him, just like Zion, just like Jerusalem, just like the nation of Israel. He wants it all. <laughs> like He wants it all. We'll finish this up. Iran needs to understand. And Hezbollah needs to
3: understand that if you think you're going to wipe out these people you're not and so we have to do a reality and reality is but America's involved in this America I said they're going to drop them in my opinion they might
0: I don't know I have no idea I'm and this is this is the tightrope that Jews have to walk in America because because they they also have their own limitation Jews in America have their own limitation in this case Because Jews in the media, Ben Shapiro, Mark Levin, uh, Joel Pollack from Breitbart, Jews in the media in America also have their tightrope. They can't come out and tell Christians that they're stupid. They can't go against Christ. They can't go against the gospel. Do, Do you realize that? Jews in American media, Jews in the media, but specifically America, America is still majority christian professing and because america is majority christian professing prominent jews in american media can't go against the gospel they can't they can't hit it directly they can't go against christ directly they can't go against the death the burial the resurrection directly why because that would that would mean and this is my prayer that would mean that the difference between christ And modern Israel would be clear. It would be crystal clear. This is why people who are deceived will never directly go against Christ. No, I mean deceived in this case. He needs America to support Israel. He's not stupid. He knows America is majority Christ professing. So he's going to say, well, you know, America can't can't do what it is. He won't go against America. He won't go against the gospel. He won't go against Christ. And this is why Christians have to make Christ the center of literally every issue. Literally. You need to do that so he breaks everything. The Bible calls Christ a stumbling block stumbling block is something that if you are blindfolded and you're walking around and there's a big brick in front of you, a big rock in front of you, and you fall down, you could break your knee, you could hurt yourself, get scuffed up, whatever, because falling down on top of a rock will hurt. The rock doesn't get hurt. You get hurt. That's a stumbling block. But Jesus also teaches in in Matthew 21, he goes, but you're going to get crushed. There's a rock that will crush you. And, you know, the the context there is that uh, there's people that come to Jesus. There's Jews and Pharisees come to Jesus and they ask him, you know, why are you doing these things? And Jesus looks to John the Baptist, who's not there, but he points them to John the Baptist. He goes, was what John the Baptist taught of the Lord or not? And they said, we don't know. The reason why the Pharisees said we don't know is because if they said yes, it affirms John the Baptist pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, which would then cost the Jews their position. But if they say no, the people that are following John the Baptist, because John the Baptist is preaching the kingdom of heaven, he's preaching the Messiah, he's preaching the fulfillment of gospel, he's pre- preaching the fulfillment of prophecy, then now you've got the Jews that are telling everybody who are getting excited about the coming Messiah. Hey, you're you're wrong. So now you're 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 going against popular support. So these Jews against Jesus are in a horrible position. So when Jesus asks them, hey, do you guys believe John the Baptist's teaching was authoritative? And they're like, yeah, we don't know. He's like, then I'm not going to tell you either. If you won't tell the truth and you won't recognize who the authority is, I'm not going to explain stuff to you. But then Jesus, because he's brilliant, goes into two parables. This is Matthew 21. The first parable, he talks about uh, two sons that, uh, that are told to go do something or excuse me he's told uh, two workers that are supposed to go do something one guy says i will do it but then doesn't do it the other guy says eh i don't really care but then goes and does it now in this depiction the pharisees are the ones that say we will do it but then don't do it because they will say that Christ, they they will say god with their with their mouths but god is far from their heart so that's like professing, yes, we believe in God, but then he's not in your heart, so you don't go do what he tells you to do. Whereas the other people are the John the Baptist people. The John the Baptist people looked like ruffians. They didn't look, they were poor, they were dumb, they were common people. They, were, they weren't the type of prissy, fancy, elite types. They weren't from Harvard. Right, And so when John the Baptist comes with his beard and his camel skin stuff and his honey and his locusts and he's doing all those things. The people that look like ruffians are like the worker that said, no, I'm not going to do that. But then they do it because they repented. Repentance was the issue. Doing what God tells you to do is the issue. The Pharisees, the religious elites, they didn't repent. They didn't do what God told them to do. They said they would, but they didn't. The second group says, eh, "We're not really going to match your religious, you know, outlook." But then they turned and they did it. And Jesus said, "Which one was righteous?" And they go, "The ones that obeyed." He's like, "Amen." And then Jesus talks about the vineyard, and he says, "There's a vineyard owner that sends people to tell the, you know, vineyard workers, do your job." And they kill him. They kill him. They kill him. And then the vineyard owner sends his son, and they say, "Let's kill the son, and we can own the vineyard." Well, the issue here, clearly, is the fact that God had sent prophets to the Jews. Prophets, 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 kill, 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 and then God sends his son. When God sent his son, the people were like, yeah, let's kill this guy, and then we can own the vineyard, which is what 1 Corinthians pr- talks about. If, if the powers and principalities of this world understood what they were doing when they killed Jesus, they never would have killed Jesus. But they didn't understand what they were doing when they killed Jesus. So when Jesus rose from the grave, that's that's the, the foundation. That's the foundation. That's the promise. That's the assurance. That's the guarantee because Christ conquered death. He conquered everything and then he conquered death when he rose from the grave. Which validates everything that he said. Now the reason why that's important Is that whenever you see Christ and you make Christ the center of everything, literally every issue breaks on Christ. Literally every one. Because here you have Mark Levin with, I, I don't know his religion. I know he's a Jew ethnically. I do not know if he's Orthodox. Ben Shapiro says he's Orthodox. So, okay, amen. He says Orthodox Jew. Um, Even though they preached the Talmud. But I don't know if Levin is a secular Jew or an Orthodox. I don't don't know anything about his religious um, uh, behavior or beliefs. But Levin is tied. He's bound because in an American nation, in a Christian nation, he can't go against Christ directly. So he has to kind of do this, you know, kind of fudge. If you're a Christian, make Jesus the issue. Break them on Christ. Break every issue on Christ, which is what we should be doing with modern Israel, with modern Jews. You should be doing it with Muslims. You should be doing it with your politicians. You should be doing stuff like that with the common law. You should make every single issue go against Christ. Break every issue on Christ. That's the thesis. That's the idea. Whether it's geopolitics, whether it's your government, Whether it's the abortion facility down the road, the open borders, the lack of sheriff doing their job, training your own tight shot groups, localizing your food supply, educating your kids, reading your Bibles, letting your Bibles destroy your philosophy, letting your Bibles destroy your doctrine, letting your Bibles destroy what you've believed your entire life. That is what it takes. That's what it looks like when you center things on Jesus. And that is not natural. And that is not easy. That is something that Christ does by his grace when you are seeking him earnestly. And this is where we get back to and we'll end with this. Chapter 16 of Proverbs verse 2. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. If your motives are for God, your path will be what God wants you to do. If your motives are not for God, you will think that your path is good. But God will know your motives are not for him, which means your path has a bunch of pitfalls. It's got a bunch of bad stuff coming into it. Folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the grave. That is the gospel because that is what Christ did for you to give you salvation. He had to do that because you and I are sinners. Everybody is a sinner. The Bible says in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, when Adam ate the fruit, or Genesis chapter 2, when you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. And the lie of the serpent is that you will not die. It's this lie that people believe that they think they're going to live forever. You will not live forever. Not in this life. You will die, and then whatever life you have after that, you will live forever in that life. So you have an eternal soul that will live forever, but you will not live forever in this body right now. You will die. And when you understand that, that brings a notion of sobriety and forces you to look at death. As a Christian, whenever I see death, I see the fact that I'm going to be guilty and I'm going to be judged until I believe the gospel. Now that I believe the gospel, death is a necessary event where I will then cross through, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death with Christ right with me, and I will be with Him for eternity. And until then, Jesus, by His wisdom, according to what the Bible teaches, is going to be proclaiming the gospel and advancing His ways and His wisdom through the people that believe him he can use anything for however he wants but Christ wants the gospel advanced through his church which is our mission and for people looking at Israel because they're checking their watches and they're saying let's get out of this thing I would just say get to work we can disagree on this I clearly disagree if you believe that I clearly disagree with you on that but you need to get to work because America's fruit... The, America church, the church in America has rotten fruit. Gay marriage... Perversion of kids... Open borders... Bad government... Fiat currency... Divorce... Pornography... We got all sorts of bad things. We got prosperity gospels. We have all sorts of bad teachings. We have people in America preaching that the Holy Spirit is a female. We have horrible rotten fruit. And we need to repent. That repentance comes back to and brings us back to christ brings us back to that cross where we recognize that's where jesus paid the debt of our sin and then that inevitably leads us to the resurrection which says now there's the victory so you have the assurance of salvation because your sin has been paid and you have the assurance of victory because christ physically rose from the grave there's no better message Believe the gospel, my friends. Appreciate your time, uh, Lord willing. Well, actually, tomorrow I'm on the road. i got a super secret meeting I can't tell anybody about. Going to be teaching more stuff about stuff. But one of the ways that you can help is to do the patriotswitch.com slash Jaron option. PatriotSwitch.com slash Jaren is a great way to support me and my work. You also have HumbleWB.coffee. I don't talk about it as much. Maybe I should. Air-roasted delicious coffee. It is still available at HumbleWB.coffee. HumbleWB.coffee. Normal coffee roasters put their beans in metal buckets. They light fire underneath it and they rotate it. So you get a metal taste. You get a fire, smoke, garbage taste. A bunch of carcinogens wrapped up in a, you know, Uh, Drum roasted coffee. I can't prove that, but there's your legal disclaimer. But whenever you have air roasted coffee, it floats on a cushion of air perfectly timed because all it touches is air. Portions of those proceeds goes to mail Bibles throughout uh, all all the nation because the purpose of that private membership association is to distribute Bibles. So whenever you buy coffee, uh, or excuse me, whenever you join membership for coffee... And membership here is the word that you use in a private membership association instead of buying a product, okay? So humblewb.coffee, humblewb.coffee. Join the private membership and convert your money into coffee and distributed Bibles. Amen. God bless. There's other links that way that you can help me in the, in the description below. I will be on the road tomorrow. So I might do something today to push, push a uh, recorded message. Uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. Yep, okay. Anyway, appreciate your time, Lord Willen. I'll be back then. I am Jaren Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Go to war.